Hi Anusha, good evening and a very warm welcome into the 10x Growth Strategies podcast. Pleasure reconnecting with you after about a quarter century since our time in college. And before we get started, Anusha, if you can introduce yourself a bit. Very well. Thank you, Madhvi. Thanks. It's been a real pleasure reaching out to you after a quarter decade. Like you said, you've been a trailblazer back in college and I really... Um, you know, look forward to doing this with you after so long. So I've been in uh, in the tech industry for, you know, 20 plus years. My background is in networking and network security. And in recent times, it's more of, you know, cloud security. It's like I just stuck to my domain right from the very beginning. I did computer science back in the day. Uh, that was my undergrad at NID Trichy. Uh, ever since then, uh, it's been, you know, different roles. I, in fact, I've done the full gamut of software development lifecycle, wherein I've been a customer escalation engineer, I've been a developer, I've been a QA person, uh, I've been an engineering manager, and right now it's been a decade of you know product management. So I finally, I think I found my thing, uh, and uh, that's what my career has been so far. Lovely, lovely hearing that, Anusha. Nice to hear that you are a full cycle software uh, professional, <laughs> and now you right. product management, all the very best ahead as well. Now, of course, we chose this book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. I liked it as well. I was super glad when you recommended that book for our conversation. Now, go ahead and talk about it, Anisha. Why do you think that book would be a compelling read for anybody? And if you will have to recommend it to someone, what sort of people do you think should read that book? Definitely. So Marshall Goldsmith is a leadership and executive coach. He does this for a living. Like he works with executives who people who are already successful. Uh, he works with them to take them to the next level, uh, right? So his leadership coaching is again it's accessible to those few who can afford it, to those kind of organizations. But in this book, he brings that to uh, everybody. Though I would say the primary intended audience for this is uh, people who are already successful, who are at a certain stage in their career. Maybe they are um, a little more than mid-career or um, maybe an executive already. So it is like people who are already successful to a certain extent. What are the strategies and uh, techniques that they can uh, take to achieve greater success in their professional life? So I think that's the primary intended audience. But to me personally, I would say I'm a mid-career professional, right? I've, I would say I'm reasonably successful so far. Uh, while I'm in that midlife, mid-career kind of crossroads, I'm thinking, okay, I've been successful so far. I'm a director of product management. I have uh, I have 20 plus years of experience. I have been managing people. What next, right? What are the strategies and personality traits that I can develop that will take me further? And the title of the book is is really important because it's like, what are the strategies that will take you from being an individual contributor to a first-line manager to a mid-career executive are not the same that will take you uh, from a mid-career executive to a C-suite or and beyond. So I think for me, that, that was the real uh, takeaway. And um, that's why it's what got you here won't get you there. 
lovely lovely anusha thank you to me the book was so simply written that i felt you know just about anybody wanting to be successful in their professional life should really pick up that book and give it a read right that's what i felt when i was reading that book thanks for your insights anusha now like you said marshall calls out about 20 habits that may hold back successful people from achieving further success right now do you recall any of it or some of it or all of it then we'll go into deep dive of you know your uh, top one two favorite bad habits anusha yeah i can talk about uh, maybe the top three attributes that i um, thought of in fact the first thing that comes to my mind is adding too much value uh, and marshall goldsmith talks about it as the overwhelming need to add two cents to every discussion and it kind of hit me home so i think that that's the the number one the next is refusing to express regret and making excuses i kind of combine uh, two uh, traits there um it's the inability to take responsibility for our actions admit we are wrong or recognize how our actions affect others so that's uh, refusing to express regret and the third is negativity which is like you know let me tell you why that won't work so that's the uh, third trait that i would okay. talk about okay thanks anusha we will uh, dive a bit deeper into each of the three that you said struck home a lot with you before we get there i made a note of the 20 as a laundry list maybe i'll just spend a minute recalling them number 1 winning too much number 2 adding too much value like you said third one is passing judgment fourth one is making destructive comments fifth one starting with no but or however uh, sixth one telling the world how smart we are seventh one is speaking when angry then negativity or demotivating withholding information failing to give proper recognition claiming credit that we don't deserve making excuses clinging to the past playing favorites refusing to express regret not listening failing to express gratitude punishing the messenger messenger passing the buck and an excessive need to be me right that's just a long laundry list we'll go into <laughs> the the habits that you know that struck home a lot with you anusha adding too much value now you know how does this particular bad habit manifest in people and how do you think we can break out of that yeah i in for adding too much value maybe i'll talk about the example of a bad leader that i've come across right uh, say this is a person who is a people manager uh, and uh, maybe he was insecure or maybe it is whatever it was right he would insert himself into every one of the uh, the calls that his subordinates are setting up right it's like you're not letting people do their work or run the show uh, but and the only thing he would do is get into the call or the discussion and he would just introduce himself uh, you know put his title out and say oh i'm so and so uh, whatever vp of something something uh, and all that he would add value is like say that oh person a is going to talk about this person b is going to talk about this uh, so that's the job of the meeting facilitator it was not required that this person who is higher up in the rank uh, first of all even attend that meeting insert himself 
and and just add this <laughs> two cents to that discussion, which was totally not needed. If instead he had let his subordinates run the show, it would have empowered them more and it would have gotten more brownie points. So that's why I think every leader should, you know, just take himself or herself out of the discussion. And that's what uh, good leaders uh, do. Lovely. Thanks for that experience, uh, sharing that, actually. Thank you. Now, let's talk about uh, negativity a bit. I mean, in what forms have you seen it in people uh, around you? Or do you think you yourself have experienced yeah, it? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead and uh, give a couple of more examples in that, because I think that that was a really, really important point. The book talks about, you know, CEOs correcting grammar mistakes of their subordinates. Like it's a, you don't want a very highly paid CEO to do that. That's the job of a copywriter or a marketing person. Uh, and then in the tech world, I, I do have other examples of, uh, again, C-suite executives trying to do design UI and UX, not letting the developers or the, or the, the user experience people uh, run the show. So again, these are like, you know, unnecessary things let each one do their job that way they'll be more empowered uh, and you don't have to add two cents to every discussion yeah awesome thanks Anusha. that's brilliant i think all of those three instances that you quoted are quite brilliant thanks for sharing that uh, let's talk about the next one negativity you know in what forms does it manifest in in the people or what have you seen in people that help you connect to this particular bad habit that marshall refers Anusha. Yeah, again, negativity to me, again, it had various forms. It's like, yeah, let me tell you why it won't work. Uh, it is some form of self-aggrandizement and it's saying that I know more than you. Um, that's what, that's the message. Uh, so those leaders come across or give across to their subordinates, uh, right? Uh, that doesn't take you places. Uh, people will come to res resent you for that. And again, you're not letting people grow. Even to take a parenting example, right? It's yeah, you have to let them make their own mistakes, uh, do their own things. Again, you know, whatever is allowed in a corporate setting, whatever is um, valid there. So uh, another thing is um, sarcasm doesn't work in the workplace. Even negativity that exhibits as sarcasm, that it's it's not good. I've seen people who who think they're very witty, they're very sarcastic, but sarcasm is again a shortcut for the things that you are thinking, but you cannot say because it's not politically right. Again, it can lead to microaggression. So I think uh, that kind of sarcasm and negativity doesn't have its place in the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that, Anusha. As you were speaking, I got reminded of an experience I myself have had with a sort of a peer or a slightly superior person, again, exhibiting sarcasm. It was just one single instance. It's happened really long time ago and it still rings in my mind right when you say sarcasm I'm able to recall the exact instance and what was expressed and it wasn't a direct message but it sort of it was meant to brush me and uh, yeah that's bad and it doesn't help one grow or it doesn't create a positive environment for people to want to work with you I agree with that thanks for sharing now, the third one was refusing to express regret that you said is one of the, the three habits that struck home a lot with you. Maybe you can talk about that one a bit, uh, Anusha. Yeah, I, actually, I want to give, a, you know, a positive, you know, what, what can refusing to express regret be replaced with? It's, or rather, what is the trait that would be better for leaders 
um, you know, instead of just saying this doesn't work or or putting the blame on somebody else or even making excuses for your own uh, things, right? So I would say um, replace that with apology. Again, it's one of the actions that uh, Marshall Goldsmith suggests because as a leader, if you apologize uh, and not just, you know, express regret or make excuses, it's going to take you places. And again, I have a story of an apology, which a particular leader made, again, somebody whom I came across in my life. Um, he was uh, an engineering leader and I was a manager under him. One of the engineers bug, bugs caused an outage uh, in the company. Again, there was an excuse. The engineer had some issues. He was sick. He didn't know what he was doing. Uh, I could have noticed that as a manager. Uh, but again, there's... Uh, those things trickle up, right? But I finally remember we were in a call, conference call with like more than 20, 30 people, both in the room and on call. And this particular engineering leader, I very, very vividly remember he said to all the cross-functional people that he takes full responsibility for the outage that this engineer caused. Again, he did not try to shift blame. He did not... Uh, uh, express regret. He did not um, make excuses. Uh, he did not look down, put his subordinates down. And this is so different and very refreshing from what we see in the public domain, right? Where interns are blamed for outages, which happened, I know, with uh, some of the uh, uh, public vulnerabilities like solar winds, or um, maybe, you know, CEOs not taking the blame for uh, uh, the things that they caused. And this happened in the Wells Fargo case. So, I think it is really important for leaders. You can grow as a leader if you are responsible enough. Don't make excuses. Instead, practice this art of apologizing in, in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. That was a great example, Anusha. I think you should never let your people down and you should own up thing that's going wrong in your own unit or organization. Great message there. Thanks for sharing that. Anusha. Yeah, and these are the leaders that do well, right? And that particular engineering leader, this happened many years ago. He's actually the CEO of a small company and he's done awesome. well for himself. Lovely. Awesome. I think that generates a want in people to, you know, actually go and work for such leaders and that's how they become eventually successful is what I have seen too. Thank you. And yeah, next let's talk about Marshall's model of a seven-step method to, to overcome or break out of bad habits, uh, uh, Anusha. What do you recall from his, this seven-step method? Talk about it. And if in case you're already practicing any of them, you know, you can, you can tell us about that as well. Yeah, I don't remember all the seven steps, but uh, the, the biggest takeaway for me was the feedback and the, what he calls the feed forward. Uh, did you have a list of seven? Handy. No, I unfortunately don't have a list of seven. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. So the biggest thing was, again, um, feedback. Uh, everybody understands feedback. Um, so to grow as a leader, again, you may not have a, a number of people above you as you grow. So you have to seek out and solicit feedback from your peers, from cross-functional people, and even from your subordinates as you're growing. So feedback is really, really important. And there are ways to do that. I do 360 feedback. Um, and I've done this a couple of times in the last few years. So that's a great way to get, um, you know, very actionable feedback on, on yourself and what are the things that you want to work on, your strengths, weaknesses, and so on. So if you can't do a 360 feedback, again, it may not be possible all the time, 
uh, Marshall Goldsmith talks about getting observational feedback. It's like even when you're talking, when you're in a meeting, when you're in a room, uh, what are they saying to you? Uh, are they are people constantly calling out? Are you listening? Uh, or oh, you're late? Or you know, these are some of the habits and traits that we exhibit. So look for that kind of observational feedback. How do people listen when you talk? Are they all are they looking at you? Do people welcome you and pull up a chair and sit next to you? So those are the kind of you know the nonverbal uh, language as well as the casual comments that you get. So that's uh, the observational feedback that Marshall Goldsmith asks you to look for. And that speaks a lot about what people are thinking about you. And that's, again, constant feedback and reinforcement. Very important for uh, anybody to grow as a leader. Uh, and then he talks about feed forward, which kind of ties everything together. So we know feedback. Feedback is based on past actions. Feed forward is, um, uh, again, he, there's a four steps or a simple idea of um, uh, what is feed forward, right? Which is more focused on what you can do with that in the future. Uh, for instance, pick one behavior that you would like to change and make a and that would make a significant positive difference in your life. And describe this objective in a one-on-one -on -one dialogue with anyone you know. Ask that person for two suggestions for the future that might help you make a positive change on that selected behavior. So this could be, uh, you know, for instance, if you're not a good listener, you could take that as a behavior to work on and you you would, uh, you know, uh, keep working on that in different settings and ask feedback about that and listen as attentively to the suggestions uh, when people do give you feedback, right? Uh, again, that's another thing Marshall Goldsmith points out. Don't rate, don't say, oh, no, no, but but that's not true. Or don't try to judge or rate or critique the feedback or suggestion that you get. That you get. The only response that is permitted is thank you. Don't try to justify it. Just take it, process it. Uh, and that's how you take uh, feedback and work on feed forward. Lovely. Lovely, Anusha. Thanks for that. The one thing that I sort of recall from the seven-step method is he says that you share widely your area of improvement, be it to your own uh, peers or friends or to the broader team. You say that if you're going to improve your listening skills, declare that upfront. So it sort of uh, generates uh, reinforcement and, you know, you because you have announced your improvement area to a, a, a broader set of people, you will be all the time conscious about it and you will be uh, more seriously working towards improving that particular uh, uh, weakness of yours. That is something that I vaguely recall. And another one that he talks about is you have somebody who plays the coach for yourself. And at the end of every day, you have a short conversation where that person checks in on you and checks, you know, did, did you do something about your this plan for today? So this can be just a five, 10 minute conversation, but there is somebody, because you will know there's someone at the end of the day who's going to check on you on that particular commitment that you had made, you will be more serious about improving and acting on uh, those areas. I think those were a um, couple of aspects that I liked a lot and I'm able to recall now as we're talking about it. Thanks, Anusha. And any other uh, closing remarks that you have? Yes, I, I think, yeah, definitely the book was, you know, it, it had so many nuggets interspersed, uh, you know, as a, as you say, I now recall quite a few of that. Uh, again, so different nuggets from the book. Um, he talks about things like gratitude, which as a, as an action to practice, he says gratitude is like, uh, it's like air, right? Say it often once, 
again and don't wait keep saying it and and you practice that as a good leader you practice that with your peers with your subordinates which with everybody around you um don't it doesn't have to be you don't have to measure saying the thank yous and um and so on right so gratitude should be like air and then the second nugget is you know you you are not managing you that's another it kind of struck me quite a bit uh, it's like what he means by you are not managing you is what's good for you maybe you are a very objective person right you want to be managed a certain way but the other person your subordinate may not be objective maybe the person is emotional so there are different kinds of people so what's good for you and how you like to be treated is not what others uh, want or they may they may want something else so always remember that you are not managing you uh, and then the final takeaway is um you have to change more than 100% to get even 10% credit for for people to observe the change so it's not going to be overnight uh you have to work on all the different habits uh and it may be frustrating to, to say oh you know what i've been listening so intently i've worked on that habit but nobody is noticing it the, the fact is you yeah if you change 100% you might get 10% credit you know people may be able to notice only that much so it uh, change takes time so keep uh, working on it yeah lovely thanks anusha i'm sure change takes a lot of time indeed and we'll have a long way to go before people around us recognize the change in us thank you thanks so much it was a lovely conversation thanks for coming forward to have this conversation actually anusha have a great day ahead thank you thank you madhvi <laughs>